The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Well, good day and welcome aboard. It's time for another edition of Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King. And this week, Edward has another really interesting guest and a fascinating topic. So let's check in with Edward and find out all about it. Edward? Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. Um, You know, before I get into today's guest, I wanted to just kind of refresh and talk briefly about last week's show. Last week, we had General Rod Spaulding on our show. He is a Intel expert. He was uh, a part of the... um, Department of Defense, Intel, White House Intel. He was um, and still is considered an amazing expert on this particular subject. And, you know, we all recognize that Chinese are a threat right now. And this threat is becoming more and more real. And, you know, we've also been talking about how Taiwan has been a focus. And I I wanted to just mention one comment about Taiwan, and everybody probably doesn't uh, should know this, that Taiwan right now makes 66% of the world's semiconductors. And one particular company, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, TSMC, alone produces 54% of the world's foundry production. That's the actual manufacturing of the individual chips. The second is Samsung. They're out of South Korea, and they are a distant second. Now, what's also interesting about TSMC and Samsung, they're the only foundries or manufacturers capable of manufacturing the most advanced 5 nanometer chips. And TSMC is right now, during 2022, is gearing up for the next generation of 3 nanometer chips. Now, these things are extremely difficult to manufacture. It takes a long time for a new manufacturing facility to come on board online, but whether it's the U.S. or any other place, and have the technical capability of doing this. So if we see you know, the threats that are being made by China right now come to fruition, we're going to have really pretty much a long-term negative impact on the world's economy. And so I just wanted to mention that. Now I would like to um, just take a quick station break for our sponsors. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and you're listening to Business Sense Radio, and we'll be right back. You want your property to be protected from break-ins, vandalism, and loitering, yet guards and patrol services are expensive. ATG Protect by Alvarez Technology Group is the perfect affordable solution. ATG Protect is a video surveillance solution with cameras powered by artificial intelligence and backed by live guards who can intervene and scare off unwanted intruders and even call first responders when needed. ATG Protect gives you peace of mind and keeps you safe, secure, and successful. Contact Alvarez Technology Group at 831-753-7677 or on the web at alvareztg.com. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including 
Excel, Word, Business Writing, Outlook, and Sexual Harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at AllianceTrains.com. All right, so we're back, and now I'd like to introduce to you my special guest today. Her name is Erin Friday, and she's a lawyer. And I came across her because I was watching some testimony being held in front of the California State Assembly on a particular bill called SB 107. Erin Friday is a mom. She is, uh, how long were you an attorney? Or practicing attorney, I should say. Uh, about 25 years. 25 years. So she's still pretty young. And I want to just say thank you very much for joining us, Erin. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on board with us. Now, you seem to have been very active lately over the last, how long do you think that you started this journey that you might say in regards to trying to deal with the likes of SB 107? How long? Two years. Two years. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about your background. So, you were practicing law 25 years before you got on this particular journey. Uh, What type of law were you practicing? I was a construction law attorney and contract attorney. Okay. So, you, I understood that you were up in the Bay Area and there was probably a lot of contracting going on up there, still is, right? That's correct. They're always building. And um, knowing lawyers, you were probably working 24-7, great stress, pressure, time constraints, all kinds of things going on. And, and you were raising a family as well. You have how many children? I have two t- Two children. Two children. Okay. And uh, things seem to be going just fine from what I could imagine. And then what happened? Uh, well, my uh, my daughter came out as uh, pansexual in seventh grade. Okay. So she would have been, what, 12? Uh, she was 11 at the time. Okay. Uh, and this was following uh, the comprehensive sex curriculum that she had at her public school. She was not the only... Uh, young gal that came out as something on the alphabet. Yeah. Okay. So how many years ago was that two you were saying? Uh, that was actually uh, three years ago. Three that years ago. And your story is not the only story that I've heard. I know that I have a relative in the Washington, D.C. area. And this just this one past year, her daughter came home with the same story. And what was interesting in that regards, as Jocelyn was sharing with me, is that 80% of the girls came home from that same situation and all of them were no longer just girls. They're all something else. And um, so it must have been kind of a, a shock. And when you first heard it, I mean, how did that register? Was it like a big red flag or was it like, oh, this will pass? Uh, well, it was twofold, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I thought this will pass. And then um, it, it just grew. So more girls in her friend group came out as these different labels. Um, and then they they morphed. They morphed from what I thought were more innocuous labels like mm-hmm. asexual, which seemed to make somewhat sense to me because they're 11, so they really shouldn't be thinking about sex. Yeah. Um, and lesbian, which we're in the Bay Area, nobody really 
bats an eye about that. Um, but it started morphing into this into transgender, and these girls started to change their pronouns and their names. Hmm. Um, even girls with long blonde hair were saying that they were boys. Didn't and look so, like it. Did they start cutting their hair, changing their clothes, that kind of things? Yes, uh, many of them wear a uniform, and most people should probably know what this uniform is. It's in different color hair. Constantly dyeing hair, uh, cutting hair, making it short, and then wearing big sweatshirts, um, kind of dressing in goth or emo mm-hmm. would be the term. That's What's used. emo? Now, it's it's similar to goth. It's okay. just this kind of dark, dark makeup if they still wear makeup, but you no, know, very um, black mm-hmm. safety pins, uh, which was very um, the antithesis of how my daughter grew up. Mm-hmm. So, it was a, a big change, but... You know, on the one hand, this is what teenagers are supposed to do. They're supposed yeah. to try on, um, you know, new clothes and 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 individualize. Uh, but the scary part is, is that once they start doing that, they are foisted into a world um, where the push is to medicalize these kids, um, as opposed to let them just, you know, dye their hair and you know, wear black clothes for a while. And, um, so it gets very frightening very quickly. Mm -hmm. So taking it back though, back to the initial experience of where your daughter and some of her friends came home and now all of a sudden they're professing to be something different than just the boys and girls, right? What transpired after that? I mean, so you saw that experience go on. You you had already said that you were just thinking it would be transitory and that things would change as they normally do in their young teenage. I raised four kids, so I've seen it four times. And, but according to listening to some of your conversations that I've listened to, things started going a little bit more behind the scenes. Can, can you share that with us? Yes. So, well, it was COVID. Okay. And so um, kids weren't in school and kids were online constantly. Mm-hmm. And as great as a parent you can be, you can't um, monitor everything that they're doing online. Okay. Especially when they're taking classes online. And you're at work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can migrate over to certain websites even when they're in class. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that started to happen. Well, my, and my daughter started to get very dark, dark in personality, not just dark in clothes. Um, It was clear that she was sinking into depression Mm. and anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, grabbing her phone and, and having her finally give me all of her passwords into all her secret accounts, because they, she had many, I I monitored her, her social media. I had monitored it before, Mm -hmm. but she had set up fake accounts and, um, accounts in, in adult forums like Tumblr, um, Twitter, These Mm -hmm. are really for adults, not for... TikTok? TikTok. Well, TikTok is designed for children, but it has a lot of adult content in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to 
I think I spent maybe two weeks just going through her phone and looking at everything that she had been looking at, and it was all very alarming. Uh, it was um, about transgenderism nonstop mm-hmm. and forums with young girls teaching other young girls how to be trans mm. and that they must be trans uh, if they fit any of these really um, silly attributes. Like, you don't like your breasts, you must be trans. You don't like your period, you must be trans. Mm. You don't like being a girl, you must be trans. I don't know any women that like their period, so... Nor do I. <laughs> Aren't you all trans then, based on that? Well, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how how long after the initial discovery and that one seventh grade event, did, did this start coming to the surface? A year later, two years later, or just... It was about a year later. So the normal trajectory um, with these girls, at least from what I can see, uh, I'm a a lead of a parent group, and I'm also in touch with the leads of other parent groups Mm -hmm. nationally. And there's truly a pattern that emerges. Uh, Usually these young girls come out as something like lesbian or pansexual or asexual. They morph one or two times then to non-binary, and they finally land on trans. Mm -hmm. And so, while my daughter was kind of going through these various steps, we were worried, but we thought this would all pass. Sure, right. Until she landed onto the trans, which coincided, of course, with her mental plummet. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I've talked about before part of that mental plummet was because of social media and um you have these groups and older people saying your parents are bigots and transphobes and don't love you don't support you Mm -hmm. if they don't call you by your new name if they dead name you if they treat you like a girl even though you're a boy um if they won't let you buy boys clothes or wear boys underwear your parents don't love you Mm -hmm. so the reason why i brought this uh, brought aaron to our show is you know she has a testimony of what signs what it's like what are the steps that you as a mom or dad should also be aware of in case this is occurring in your own household Now, I understand that, you know, Aaron's story, unfortunately, is not unique, but the reality is is that it's spreading, and it's not just limited to Northern California. The story I shared earlier was Washington, D.C. If you go onto the internet and look at stories, you'll find it, you know, almost pervasive across most of the states in the United States. Now... Aaron's story, which comes to a good conclusion, if I understand correctly, correct? It's like took three years to go through the cycle, would mean that two things come to mind. And it's the reason why we have Aaron with us today is parents need to be educated to understand what is going on in the schools, what is going on on the internet, and what is going on right under their noses. 
And what Erin is sharing is some of the signs that she experienced and sees with other families. Am I correct on all of this? Yes. Okay. Now, when your daughter started getting into the deeper levels of depression, what types of things were you able to provide for her? I mean, what what services are available or did you feel like you were on an island? You're definitely on an island, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, It is a Herculean task to find a therapist or psychiatrist who will uh, even take this type of child on as a patient uh, in California and now really across the nation uh, because the therapists or, or psychiatrists who are interested in understanding the depression and the why and the causality mm-hmm. as opposed to just affirming the trans identity, they won't take these kids on because they're fearful of the non-conversion laws that are being passed and that are in existence in California. Although I don't believe that the law in California forbids them from looking at causality, that's how it's interpreted by them and they don't want to risk their license. And then you flip it and then any psychiatrist or psychologist who would take my daughter on as a patient would merely affirm and The affirmative care model, for your listeners who don't know, is to just accept the child's identity. So if she says she's a boy, she is a boy and must be treated as such. And all the other comorbid mental health issues are secondary to the trans identity. So if the child has anorexia and is also trans identified... They don't really treat the anorexia. They treat, they deal with concretizing the trans identity. Everything is secondary. What we know, what parents know, those of us who were able to extract our children from what I call the gender cult is that when you address the underlying mental health issue, the depression, the anxiety, the OCD, the ASD, um, the ADHD, lots of letters, sorry. No, um, mm-hmm. We've all heard them. But once, once those issues are addressed, then the child comes back uh, to accepting their body as their body is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's, you're swimming upstream. And I understand why some parents take the easier route and just affirm because it's not for the faint hearted to swim upstream alone because mm-hmm. you are, you are alone except for other parents cheering you on. So you were saying that therapists are not on your side and you know, there's pressure from the, the legislation there's pressure from the medical um, community that is, you know, actually saying that you're going to lose your license if you deal with the problem that the parent is bringing the child for. What about pediatricians or other medical providers? I mean, are are they coming 
filling the gap here, or are they actually, as you were using the word affirming this whole process? Now, I, I can't imagine if we go back 10 years ago that trans, you know, made up a population a percentage of greater than 0.001%. And now you're talking, they're trying to push 80% of our girls into believing they're trans. I mean, how does this work? Statistically, it's not possible. But back to my medical question, who is out there to help? There's got to be something. Because if the schools, schools aren't helping you, right? School counselors, school teachers, school administrators. Well, let's break apart your question into two components here. So you asked about pediatricians or other medical professionals and whether they're helping. They're not, unfortunately. Um, The pediatricians are also uh, frightened into silence. Mm -hmm. Um, Our pediatrician had been our pediatrician since my daughter was born. Mm -hmm. She knows my daughter really well. And um, she looked at me and said, I can't help you. I can send you to the gender clinic. But what she didn't know is what happens at the gender clinic is just a fast track to medicalization of a child. And um, I did find an out-of-state psychiatrist who was helpful, Mm -hmm. very helpful. And he wrote a note for me to give to the pediatrician to say, do not speak about gender dysphoria with her since I am working with her Mm -hmm. on this issue. And my pediatrician mouthed to me, thank you. Mm-hmm. Just in case Big Brother was recording the conversation. Correct, but it shouldn't be that way. Right. My pediatrician should have stood up, and they all need to stand up. And we're actually a monolith. We are a bigger group than uh, the activists on the on the other side of this. And if we all speak at the same time. Both Democrats and Republicans right. speak on the same time, um, then there's safety in numbers. And that's why I'm here today, because for two years I had a fake name mm-hmm. when I when I spoke. And now I'm speaking to my name because if we can't stand up for children, we we stand for nothing. Yeah. So no, the the medical community is is failing parents across the board. Endocrinologists are failing. Surgeons who are even against this um, will still do surgeries on 13 and 14-year-old girls and remove their breasts because they're afraid to speak up. And that's shameful. Yeah, it's beyond the pale. Uh, I, you know, we can dig into each one of those th- things that you just stated about the surgery. How can we allow a surgery like that on a 13-year-old? Who is making the decision? The child is certainly doesn't have the maturity to be able to recognize it. Um, we all know that the human brain doesn't mature until it's 25. So they're only halfway there. And in regards to back in the old days, in regards to even just education and careers, you know, we let them go through college, experience all kinds of different directions, 
and um, and then eventually find for themselves their passion and let them move forward. And here we are letting children who are easily manipulated through the internet, right? Internet through peer-to-peer pressure, and they're making these life impactful decisions because sterilization, which is the end result of some of the chemicals that they give them, right? Am I correct? Absolutely. Uh, is, is a lifelong curse. There's no choices after that. And um, yet we could easily imagine that things are happening to many young girls here in America. And as you just said, our medical community is not defending the rights of these children. That is that is correct. I always go back to the first do no harm. Mm-hmm. And that is what the medical community is supposed to follow. And if you ask the the average American, Democrat or Republican, do you think it's a good idea to cut off a 13-year-old girl's breasts before she's even can understand what they're for? Right. Um, they would say no. Mm-hmm. 16-year-old boys are getting um, their penises removed and fashioned into vaginas. 16. Um, at 16, I was making many, many poor decisions, as I'm sure mm-hmm. your listeners can attest to in their own, you know, teenage years. We make stupid decisions and we're asking children to make adult decisions that their brains are not able able to comprehend the long-term effects of any of this. When I learned about um, what sex was or how you have a baby, I, I immediately said, I'll, I'll just adopt. Like it was mm-hmm. a s- simple. Like yeah. you, you can walk into an orphanage and just pick up a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and these parents... Like I, I feel bad for them. I feel really horrible for them who have let these harms been exacted on their children. And I know that people think that the laws against or criminalizing parents are harsh. And I agree that they are harsh because we parents, the only advice we're ever given from medical providers is to transition your child. Your child will commit suicide if you don't transition them. And we're told that repeatedly. By the medical community. Correct. Mm-hmm. And parents are afraid that their kids will commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And so they capitulate. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they believe it myself. Well, if you're told it time and time again, um, and all you read is the mainstream media that's what you believe. That's all they report. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no studies that actually say a gender dysphoric child will is more likely commit to commit suicide. What the studies say is that a gender dysphoric child who also has depression, OCD, all these other right. issues, is more likely to commit suicide. They don't. They can't break apart the two. You can't break apart gender dysphoria and depression and say that the reason a, a child is more likely to commit suicide is because of gender dysphoria. You have to compare it to 
kids who are depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these studies has have been debunked, even uh, some medical providers who push the trans agenda have admitted to that. Sure. Well, the problem about the lies is when you shine truth on it, it becomes apparent that it's a lie. Now, we've talked about the medical providers. Schools are not helpful, right? Teachers are against you. School counselors are against it. Uh, And now you've discovered that politicians like the Scott Wieners of the world are against it. So how does a family, how did your family survive? And what can you give for hope and a pathway for the families out there that are actually dealing with this? What resources are actually out there? Well, luckily, there are a lot of resources now. Um, In 2018, when this appeared at my doorstep, there weren't so many, but now there are. Um, I can recommend many books and many groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Advocates for Protecting Children is a group. Advocates for Protecting Children, and that's on the internet, or you can look them up? You can look them up on the internet. They have great podcasts. Um, They have advice on words to use mm-hmm. a parent has to walk a very fine line in helping pull their child out of this um, direct talking doesn't work you have to kind of walk uh, walk circles around your child you have to create um, cracks in their thought process mm-hmm. hitting them with a bunch of medical stats doesn't change them right um, but and partners for ethical care is another parent group that also gives you language to use mm-hmm. to speak to your child. Um, there's parents uh, with inconvenient truths uh, about trans um, is a great resource. Also, uh, GenSpec. There's many resources out there now, um, and there is no playbook, unfortunately. Um, that works with every child mm-hmm. to pull them out of this. Right. Um, because each child comes to it with a different comorbid mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a long journey, and it's a slow journey. Um, but it can't be ignored. No. And I know parents sometimes don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, but that's mm-hmm. a mistake. Especially when they're young, you have an opportunity it's much harder to pull them out once they're 18 because they get to make those choices themselves. Right. Yeah. And we're going to get into the issues at 12 year old orphans or 18 year old, not orphans in a minute. So there are resources. I think that what you said is that it needs to be recognized early. You, you need to respond as a parent early and you need to find resources. I know one mom, when her daughter came home and said, oh, I'm now pansexual, the, the mom said, oh, so you like girls now? You want to kiss girls? And the daughter said, "You no, that's not what I want to do. Because again, I think it was a point to educate what this word meant. And, um, you know, that certainly did make a crack, just like you were referring to. Because you have to recognize, and I totally agree with you, you can't attack them with 
adult conversation, you know, the deep facts and the medical facts. What you have to do is recognize it's just like when you've got a little three or four year old, you get on your knees and talk to them eyeball to eye level. Uh, you have to do the same thing with your 11 and 12 year olds. You have to recognize how they think, what they're doing, and it is not an immediate switch. It is a long-winded battle because you have to get them to be comfortable with what it is that you're saying. You have to reach into their hearts and um, dispel the lies that they have been fed. And it's not an, it's not an easy thing. And I'm so glad all my kids are grown up. Sorry, <laughs> you're lucky. <laughs> I, I am fortunate that I missed the uh, all of that process. So let's talk about schools. We've we've kind of like you know bypassed that. We've talked about the physicians and the therapists and the medical community. And later we'll talk more about what's going on in the political front. So what's happening in schools? I know that this whole started with some sort of sexual training class that occurred when they were, she was 11. So what's going on now in schools? Can't be any better. No, it's gotten markedly worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when my kids were in, in grade school or middle school, uh, g- gender ideology hit them in seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, with comprehensive sex, which is a five-hour course, and it's taught by an outsider. Uh, it's taught by a non-accredited instructor. Mm-hmm. And if you look at who these groups are and you investigate them, you can tell that these are indoctrinators. Right. Groomers um, as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so they come in, in in seventh grade, and then they come in again in ninth grade, and in ninth grade, it's a nine or 10 hour course of comprehensive sex. And it's slated as we're preventing AIDS and pregnancy and which most parents would be like, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. We're in, of course. We, yeah. Our kids, we want our kids to learn this. But what parents don't know is that they get hours of gender identity um, talks and non-binary talks and uh, parents send me all the time the curriculum, which is being uh, foisted on these kids, and it's it's alarming. I have evidence of you know, schools in in really um, affluent, pretty conservative areas having questionnaires such as how likely are you to engage in anal sex? This is. These are 14-year-olds. This is not appropriate. This is not what they're supposed to be learning in school. Mm -hmm. And parents are blind to it. Um, I I just do, since we're we're coming on the opening of school, parents really need to read those packets that come home or or, are in the, you know, sent to them online. Um, Opt your kid out of these classes. Opt them out. Mm -hmm. There is no reason that your children should be subjected to this. Right. Uh, it's unscientific. Also, the you know someone could be born in the wrong body. There's no science. No. Zero. Right. We, we we've got hundreds of thousands of years of human race, and none of that is proven to be factual over all this time. But <clears throat> we're talking about these um, sexually explicit. Um, classroom environments, 
um, you know, I don't want to get into the detail, but they're not teaching them about the birds and the bees, or they're not teaching them about what human anatomy is. They're, they've gone way beyond that. Isn't that true? Way beyond that. Um, it's it's unnecessary information. And there's actually groups that come into high schools that teach about um, uh, porn literacy. Mm-hmm. And again, from a parent standpoint, I would have taken that as, oh, that's great. Just from the name of it, um, they're going to teach our children that the dangers of porn. Right. But that's not what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. They're actually teaching the right way to watch porn. Think about who's behind the camera. And this is being taught to high school students. Uh, think about their bodies. What turns you on? Mm-hmm. And um, it's just not not appropriate. And why are they doing this? Right. We know why. They're grooming the kids. Correct. Right. Now, but you had mentioned seventh grade and ninth grade, but from what we can see, if you just open your eyes, that they're actually going all the way down to the kindergarten level of sexualizing kindergartners. Can you, have you seen that? Yes, you can go to the California uh, Teachers Association website and you can actually look and listen to some of the teachers saying that children are sexual at the age of seven Mm -hmm. and that they need their own uh, GSA club. We're talking kindergarten here. Mm -hmm. Um, There, you know, there have been uh, stories in the news again in, in California, but it's everywhere. It's in every state. Uh, where teachers talk about reading to TK, that that's four-year-olds, uh, reading um, transgender books to them and how to hide it from the parents. We do read-alouds is what they say, so parents don't know. Yeah. We hold the GSA club at lunchtime. GSA stands for what? Well, it was Gay Straight Alliance. Um, now it has a different name. It's uh, gender. I mean, they keep changing the names. Sure, of course. Um, But they're sexualizing it. Uh, But now it's fourth and fifth grade, and they hold it at lunch. Why do they hold it at lunch? So parents don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the parents being left in the dark is the you know definition of grooming. Yeah, keep secrets from parents. Right, teachers are keeping secrets from parents. Teachers are calling children different names and using different pronouns and keeping it a secret from parents, mm-hmm. as if we're the enemy. Well, in their eyes, you are the enemy. Let's let's be clear about that. You know, they don't want parents to know that they are converting and perverting your children, and they're doing it in secret. Yes. To the point where they're letting them change these children, change their clothes when they get to school. Is that correct? And then before they go home, before they see their parents change back into the clothes that they were delivered to school in. That's correct. That's called the trans closet. Mm -hmm. Um, That's happening in Oakland and in other schools. Um, In Danville, um, you can walk into the uh, counselor's office and there's a box that says... um, Look at me, look at, look at me, look at me, look at me, or explore me. Mm-hmm. And it's a box where you can, um, borrow some trans tape. Uh, the tape can be used to bind your breasts or, um, for boys, it can be used to tuck. And this is available at, at the schools. 
mm. and and being promoted. Explore me, explore me. Yeah. Entice, enticing children to harm their bodies and concretizing that there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So just so we can move on to the SB 107, SB 923, and some of the other things that are going on in the political environment, let's recap. Number one is this is happening across the country. And no matter how conservative of an environment you think that you're sending your children to in a school, uh, you can't just um, sit back and believe that because it has been <clears throat> the infiltration has occurred in all schools. You're, you're talking about the Danville area, which is used to be very conservative. It's not anymore. Uh, working about places like Orange County, when you're talking about uh, t- states like Texas and others, you know, it's, it's becoming in vogue. It's happening everywhere. So parents, you need to wake up too, is it does kind of feed into the homeschooling you know, you can opt your children out, hopefully, out of these programs in the individual. But if it's happening with the teacher in the classroom, just by their nuances or their rainbow flags or, you know, it's okay to be, all of that stuff that's going on, it's it's a, like a plague. Go ahead. Well, you can't avoid it. You, can? you can't. You, no, you cannot. Can't. No, it's not possible. Um, it is ubiquitous. It is in every state, red and blue. Mm-hmm. It is in Catholic schools. It is in private schools where parents are paying sixty thousand dollars a year to send their schools there. It is in charter schools. Yeah. Um, there is no place that the gender ideology hasn't landed. And it's you're right. It's, it's not West just, Point. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not just in, in, in the sex ed curriculum. They have mm-hmm. put it in math now. They have word problems that push the, the you know, their word problems about transgender people. Mm-hmm. Um, they are trying to change the biology books to say that there's more than two sexes. I mean, it's, it, you, you can't protect your child from hearing about it in school. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. You know, when I hear what you're just saying, and I completely see it because I'm in education, I'm certainly uh, big at traveling across our state and our country, um, but it, it kind of begs a question, to two parts. One is, when did all this start, and why is it being done? Uh, you know, if you go back 20 years ago when my kids were in school, this would have never, ever either been... a a subject, an inkling, and if somebody had suggested it, they would have sent him to jail for child abuse. And and I, I could go on with that statement. Where did this come from? When did it get started? Well, John Money started it back John, on the East Coast. John Money. Uh, John Money at John Hopkins uh, when he did the experiment on the on the twins. Okay. There was a, uh, twins were born during a circumcision. It was botched and one of the boys, um, had his, um, penis burned off. And, yeah. And John Money decided, well, sex doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. 
chromosomes don't really matter. We're going to change him into a girl. And it was this huge social experiment. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he lied to the medical community about the results. And he said it was a great success. And that this young boy who was now being raised as a girl was thriving. It was a lie. Um, that poor um, man, because he eventually learned that he was actually a boy, mm-hmm. um, committed suicide. Yeah. That was not a su- successful story. And, and then it moved on to, like here in California, the earliest law that I could find that was starting to put children in the driver's seat was in 2010, um, and it was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor then, and um, he started to put adult decisions into children's hands, and it was a law that, I believe it was 14 was the limit then, um, where a 14-year-old could um, dictate their medical health. And Nobody batted an eye at that. Um, we didn't. We weren't paying attention. Right. What that would, what would do, and and it got. There was a cascade of laws that followed, mm-hmm. and and now we're at a point where twelve-year-olds uh, get to dictate their mental health and their physical health, and that's just absurd. Twelve-year-olds don't know what their. Um, no, they they can't make these decisions. It's it's an it's insanity, but it's 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 making the child independent or maybe a state ward. Um, I I remember, um, in fourth or fifth grade, the schools started to change, and I know you you had Kelly on talking about the whole child and yeah. social emotional learning. But in in fourth grade, my kids um they ran their they did their own parent-teacher conference. It was no longer the teacher. They did the conference with me. Hmm. I thought, this is crazy. The child and The parent. child. <laughs> the child told me how they, they were doing in school. I thought, this is just nutty. Yeah. Um, so, we've been, this has been building up and it's hit a crescendo now where um, parents uh, can't even get um, their medical records of their children and, and not dealing with anything related to sex or gender, um, but they can't even get the results of a blood test without their child saying it's okay. You can find out the results of my blood test. Um, So, we're really in a nutty, terrible place, and we just keep passing more and more terrible laws. And you talked about SB 923. Yeah. And this is a law that is going to require all medical providers and actually all employees of any insurance policy to be um, indoctrinated, to be educated by trans advocacy groups. So when we talked about how difficult it was for me to find anyone to help my daughter, think of the parents that are going to come after me. they're never going to find any help because all the doctors and all the nurses and all the staff are going to be required to push it, push it. Yeah. And, um, and it's a law now SB 923, the gender affirming care law that Scott Weiner is pushing. 
Correct. And it will be voted on by the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And um, because now we're team A and team B, all the Democrats will vote for it. Yeah. And And you're a Democrat. So, you know, we want to be clear that this revelation of that Aaron's family is experiencing is not because of the far right extreme conservatives. What they are is a representative of the large population in California that up until about three, four years ago was sadly kind of oblivious to what was going on under their noses as parents in the schools on the internet. And now we're seeing this mountainous problem. I'm concerned that it's too late to fix. I mean, when you, you look at the list of laws, we've said SB 923, AB 1184, SB 107, and the line goes on and on all the way back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Thank you for sharing that. Um, where are we going to go with this now? I mean, this is, as the, as they say in the country, the horse is out of the barn. Well, what the lawmakers aren't uh, thinking about is the fact that I'm a registered Democrat. I've been a Democrat for 30 years since I was able to vote, essentially. Um, most of the parents that are experiencing what I'm experiencing are Democrats. Right. And um, we're not having it anymore. We, we, we saw that in San Francisco, um, you know, uh, ousting the San Francisco school board and Boudin. These are Democrats ousting out the extreme left Democrats. Uh, I don't think they're Democrats. Uh, they're extreme left. You're correct about that. But, you know, I, as a Democrat, I, I don't like them to be representing the party. Yeah. I don't either. And and that's what's so distressing to me because I loved my party. I supported mm-hmm. my party and my party is, is abandoning us. And when I talk about our party, I talk about the lawmakers, n- not the actual Democrats that are my neighbors, right. mm-hmm. but those who, those who control these laws and not one of them have the backbone to protect children. Not one of them will stand against sterilizing children. And that to me is so tragic and painful um, that I'm actually campaigning against Democrats. It's a very odd place to be, but that's where I am. Um, They don't want to hear from us, but they don't know that the majority of Democrats, we're against this. Mm -hmm. We don't believe boys should be competing against girls in sports. That's crazy. We don't believe that men should be housed in shelters with women. We don't believe that men should be housed in prisons with women. And we don't believe that it's a good idea to medicalize and mutilate children. No. And when I've watched you um, actually testify before Senate up in Sacramento, it was specifically against the Scott Wiener thing. I think it's a perfect name, Scott Wiener, myself, SB 107. Now, I, we need to take a, a break for our sponsor. Just give us a second here. So, 
We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. You're listening to Business Sense Radio. My name is Edward King, and we'll be right back. You want your property to be protected from break-ins, vandalism, and loitering, yet guards and patrol services are expensive. ATG Protect by Alvarez Technology Group is the perfect affordable solution. ATG Protect is a video surveillance solution with cameras powered by artificial intelligence and backed by live guards who can intervene and scare off unwanted intruders and even call first responders when needed. ATG Protect gives you peace of mind and keeps you safe, secure, and successful. Contact Alvarez Technology Group at 831-753-7677 or on the web at alvareztg.com. Business owners, do you want to build a successful business? Invest in your most valuable asset, your staff. Alliance Career Training Solutions solve your staff training needs. Employees need to be successful for you to be successful. At Alliance Career Training, we provide professional, hands-on training classes, including Excel, Word, Business Writing, Outlook, and Sexual Harassment as required by law. Ask about our custom classes for your team. Call 755-8200 or visit us at alliancetrains.com. All right, we're back. That was quick. Enjoyed that. Now, I want to bring this up because, you know, we're running out of time. And this is this was just beyond the pale for me. So we're, we're changing subjects. We're talking about SB 107. It originally, the bill was originally written as a CalFresh fresh bill relevant to SNAP, which is about food for the welfare and the, and the needy. And then this guy named Scott Weiner, who's been reelected three times, surprisingly, he gutted it, he amended it, he redlined it, changed the entire bill, other than the title, SB 107, and made it all about gender. How is that legal? You're a lawyer. It's, I, I don't get it. It's not. It's not. Um, and gut and amend bills are not legal, um, but because there is a supermajority in the, the house Rep- yes the mm-hmm. republicans don't have any ability to uh to stop it and the senate unfortunately voted as a snap bill yeah and it was unanimous and then it went over to the assembly as a completely different bill and this bill is a major bill that requires in-depth discussion and the senate is just cut out of that discussion. So the assembly gets to vote on this bill. So yes, it's illegal and it's a trick. And And it goes on multiple times in in our house in California. It sure does. Yeah. It sure does. So there's, you know, you made a point, well, that the Democrats are a super majority. That's correct. The problem that I've got is that there are no legitimate Democrats that are thinking that are in the legislature, because if they were independent of the, the woke mindset, the Democrats would vote against this. We, we don't need a balance of Republicans. What we need is a balance of, of mentally healthy legislators. So, again, we've fallen short of time, and Aaron has been a wealth of information. Aaron, I want to thank you for making the journey to our studios here in Monterey, California. And Aaron has great information. Thank you so very much, and I hope you'll come back. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, thanks. And you've been listening to Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King. Be sure to join us again next week. At the same time on this very radio station for more of Business Sense Radio.
The preceding was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.